Hello and welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Creeper, and today I am bringing you a conversation with Gina Harris. Storyteller, mama, creator of Punta Punta Surf Retreat in Chagao, Philippines, I had the pleasure to sit down with Gina recently and talk about what felt like, well, everything. (laughs) Becoming a mum during the pandemic, making a life work overseas, and also what to do when a Category 5 typhoon takes your business overnight. I will say the internet was not A1. Um, That is the downside of connecting with people in small remote places, which is basically our community a lot of the time. So there will be some glitches, but the conversation is too good not to share. Stick with us for this conversation and you won't be sorry. Let's get into it. It is hard when you're living in a foreign country. Did you expect to have the baby in Guatemala? Never. I was never. I was going to fly back to Australia. I was going to have him in Australia with my mom and my sister in a hospital. That was like going to be the thing. And then like obviously COVID happened. And um, in Australia, they put out this warning, like you have 48 hours to get home or expect to be locked out for a very long time. And I was like speaking to Ugo and he's like, I think you need to go because I don't know how bad this is going to get here. We're in Guatemala. People are about to get even poorer. Like, and I don't know how bad this is going to get. So like, I would say, I think you should go home. But I was just like, but we don't know how long this will be. And it ended up, thank God, it ended up being shut for two years. Ugo doesn't have a visa for Australia. He wouldn't have met his son. He wouldn't have met his son for two years. Isn't that so crazy? And it's like I had 48 hours to decide what are we going to do here? And their relationship would have been completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that, like, other people made that choice you know I'm yeah. sure there were other people who have made that choice and are telling that story now and yeah how crazy yeah how crazy did you speak Spanish at the time yes but it's definitely way better now it okay. was it was good but then when I was like it was my baby and I'm talking to like doctors and I'm talking to like family yeah. and everything it got like way better very quickly definitely <laughs> Sure, you've got the motivation. That's, yeah. It's that's so it's so scary, right? Like when your plans get so derailed. Yeah. And it's not I mean, it's about your baby and you're pregnant and there's nothing you can do. This very similar thing happened to me when I was pregnant. We were in construction with our business here in the Philippines and we've been bouncing back and forth about like where to go to have the baby, but in the US, like I'm from California. It can cost like $150,000, you know, if you don't have insurance, oh things go wrong. I mean, it's, it could just get really like, just no, just no. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, I definitely didn't want to have the baby here. There just aren't the resources here if there's yeah. an emergency. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to have it in Spain, but it seemed like the best option it and talking about him like he's not thing. Um, <laughs> have him in Spain, but finally we said, that's the best thing. We'll go two months, you know, yep. just like have the baby, all of the Easy's family, they're all doctors. And so we knew we'd have like good care and then we'll just come right back, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea that right back would be like two and a half years later. Well, yeah. it, it's so you were crazy. in a very similar position. Mm-hmm. Totally. Except I didn't speak Spanish. Wow. And okay. So I learned real fast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's like, okay, now I'm pregnant. Now I've got to go to a doctor. Like, 
Yeah. It's it's the yeah. health of my baby. I need to know exactly what's going on. Like I can't get, let anything be misunderstood or of yeah. course, and you're in this really weird time. And Spain was like the epicenter of the pandemic at this point. That's right. It was. And yeah. So we walked like straight into hell, basically. <laughs> and, you know, people in the hospital are like in those like, it's like they're all in ET, like these big hazmat suits and stuff. It was really crazy. And they're saying that he wasn't going to be able to come with me into the delivery room. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd have also like my mom with me there. It was just so. Mm-hmm nuts you mm. know and then like again no one else had held mini for like eight months you'd like never wow. seen people i mean wow. you know it's just because mm-hmm. everyone it was, was in lockdown or like yeah, you were like, like no super, visiting or no, no, super, no lockdown. super strict lockdown like i remember wow. the week that i went into labor they so there was undercover cops that would drive around outside and I was having contractions and I was just like a mess. And so we said, fuck this. Like, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, go for it. Yeah. yeah. And so we just, um, we just left and I went outside, you know, all masked up and like whatever gloves and all the things. So crazy. And Jesus. we start walking this car like rolls up next to us and they're cops and what are you doing? Blah, blah. And he's like, you know, she's about to go into labor. Like she needs to walk. And they said, you get one lap around the block. And they drove oh next God. to us the whole time. To make sure you just did one lap. Yeah. And to make sure I was like really pregnant because people were faking all kinds of stuff. Oh, it got real, really creative. I mean, it got really creative. Wow. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot. But yeah, no, I, I definitely resonate with that. Just your whole life like switching. And yeah. I totally don't expect it. My God. Yeah. How does it feel being back in Australia now? Like, well, I'm back in Guatemala now, but I went oh, to, okay. yeah, but I went back for about five or six months to like visit yeah. my family, to see everyone and to like obviously show off Jago. And it was such an incredible experience because now they exist for him. They're people who exist because I don't know about Minnie, but after about one and a half, Jago did not want to FaceTime. He has no patience to sit on a phone. He's not going to, he doesn't sit yeah. still. So how is he going to sit and connect with anyone on a phone? So it was the only way. He doesn't know who they are. They don't exist for him. So there were some things that were really important to me, which was meeting my family and and just like Australianisms, like having Australia the accent around him and just little idiosyncrasies and just little things like that. And it was really interesting. I got like it always happens when I go home to Australia, depending on which stage I'm at in life, where I just like question every single choice I've ever made and where I'm heading and where I'm at so like when I was younger it was like okay should I be getting like a job and a proper career and not trying to do this thing myself and then I went back a few years ago and it's like should I be getting a mortgage and a house here and then like going back this time with Jago was sort of like this feels so safe here and like I feel like people are really like moving fast with their kids and the activities and this thing and I'm like is this like something I should be doing and then and then I came back here and I'm like wait I'm still figuring it out this isn't a holding space for like until my life starts this is my life here here in Guatemala you know it's not like I think for the longest time during COVID I felt like my life wasn't really happening even though of course I had my son and I was moving forward 
but I feel like I held it over my like family's head, my relationship's head to be like, this isn't real until I go back to Australia. I don't even know if that makes sense. It really, really resonates. (laughs) Yeah. So it was sort of like going home, meeting all my family, but staying too long with my family and being like, okay. (laughs) I remember why I don't live here. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like there was a reason I'm like doing life a different way. There's a reason I made the decisions I made. I didn't just blow into the other side of the world, like on the wind and then life just happened to me, you know? So it was good to kind of go back and be like, this place is amazing. The people are amazing. And I do have a life here and life is happening here right now. And instead of being thinking like, where's Jago going to go to school? And and that was the biggest thing, which is like, who's he going to be? Because if he's here, is he a Guatemalan kid? If we're in Australia, is he an Australian kid? It gave me this moment of pause to be like, it doesn't matter right now. Totally. This is it right now. And this is great. Yeah. We don't know. I'm like smiling ear to ear because this resonates so much. It really felt like in the pandemic, we just lost two and a half years of our life. Like we weren't living in that time. And I saw, you know, other, and everyone experienced it differently, but I definitely had that experience of like, when I leave this, my life will start again. When I get back to Shargao, my life is going to start again. And Mm. in hindsight, I really wish I hadn't. And even in the time I knew, like, don't look at it like this, don't look at it like this, but I did. And I feel like I wasted a lot of that time when I could have channeled that energy into something else, like really enjoying, you know, the four corners of my room (laughs) in a a quarantine. But, you know, there's definitely (laughs) a different way to, like, I think, make the most of it. Um, Yeah. But I didn't because, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so hey, you're waiting like for my life to start, for my life to start. And then definitely, I was actually having this conversation with a friend yesterday about how I'm 36. And, you know, I grew up of like the sex in the city generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like my idea of like a woman were these four women. And yeah. when they were nearing 40, what they were like. And I am nothing at all like that. And we were talking and I thought, you know, I still feel like a Spice Girl. Like I still feel inside, <laughs> like really young, not just like youthful, but I guess I just feel little in a way, like a little mm-hmm. girl in so many mm-hmm. ways. And then I see my friends who are still at home and they have a different life, but it just seems, you know, and it seems serious. It seems like a more serious adult life. They own homes and they have a big job. And I also own a home and I also have a job. You know, but it just feels less serious somehow. And it started making me wonder, like, so am I a woman yet? Like, am I, am I an adult? You know, Mm -hmm. am I, where am I? And I I think in some ways living this kind of, you know, island life that we do or living just in a different culture in this different space, it feels a little bit like never Neverland in a way, you know, where like Mm -hmm. the priority is shifted towards fun and so everything moves at a very different pace and Mm -hmm. so yeah I get home and my friends ask well where are you going to put him in school are you thinking about school yet he's you know gonna need to go to kindergarten in two years and I'm like whoa (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know like now obviously we've learned two years can pass by really slowly but it also can go so fast 
Mm -hmm. And I'm not in any interest to like rush my mind forward to those kind of thoughts when I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to catch up on the life that I thought I didn't live like the last two and a half years, you know? So it's like, well, right now my baby's an island baby and he goes to island school and he does island things and that's just who he is right now. Yeah. I try to infuse him with as much of my, you know, yeah, California isms as I can and hope that like he gets that and says some fun words. But otherwise, you know, this is just this is where they're at. And it's the life that I wanted. And I guess it's the life that you wanted also. So like Mm. it is our life. Yeah. I resonate with that so much because that's true. Like I got back and it was that same thing. Okay. Where am I going to put him in school? I have to start making plans. I have to be, start being serious. And then it was just that same thing. It's like, this is, this is serious. Yeah. What does that even mean? I'm going to put his like name on a wait list in a school in Australia. Like just to be like, I remember once, I remember when I first moved to El Salvador and I was friends with a mom who, who had started a school in Zonte. Mm-hmm. And I remember she got those same questions, like, where's he going to go to school? Where's he going to go to school? And she's like, what happens if he wants to go to college and you haven't like saved that money? And she's like, that is literally not my problem. How he's going to yeah. pay his own way in yeah. college. If he decides to go 18, 20 years from now, it was definitely a moment for me because I think, like you said, a lot of, a lot of the time spending time in these, in these places, it's a lot of like travelers passing through and it's a lot of people who have less inhibitions than they have at home or they're just seeking or they're just passing through. And then sometimes there are mums and more and more there are like mums to connect with, which is like so great. Um, but definitely, yeah, which is great. But yeah, it just this thing of like, don't, be controlled by these these expectations because there are a million ways to school a kid. There's a million ways to you can put him in homeschool sometimes, school sometimes. Like there's yeah, just making your full life family decisions just because of what you think will be the best thing for them. And how do we know the best thing is the most like secure thing anyway? No, and, and those things are based on a structure that we no longer live within. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think, something that's a challenge. And it's also exciting. Like we're navigating a whole new terrain because we, because we <laughs> walked away, because <laughs> we walked away from that life. And yeah. not to say that there's anything wrong with that. I grew up in a traditional school system and I think that I came out just fine, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but it's just not the choice that we're making for our kids. And so yeah. therefore it's a constant battle of like, navigating between what we grew up with, what we know, what kind of everyone else is saying, and then what our actual family dynamic, what our life and what we want for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for our whole family is going to allow us to to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Like uh, there's so much I want to get through this talk so I won't like stay here for too much longer. But I mean, the way like my day is set up right now is dropping off Jago at school, having those four hours to myself to work. But then after those four hours, I had this moment of, I guess I should pick up some more projects and and stretch it out to eight hours because eight hours is a work day, right? And I had to stop myself and be like, this is great. If you have four hours where you get to like work on your things and like be creative and like, and then that's it. That's great. And sometimes it's not even those four hours because obviously there's so many other things we need to do. But it was this moment of being like, don't now feel like you're only legitimate if you're like sitting down for eight hours work a day because no one is even productive for eight hours work a day anyway, even if you're sitting in an office about two of those hours are productive anyway. Exactly. Exactly. 
Oh my God. Yes. Just yes. 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 Totally get it. You're preaching to the right choir. Like, so yeah, like we could stay here forever, (laughs) but let's move on. I'd love to like go a little bit further back in your story. I would love to know how you met your partner or husband, partner, partner. I'll call my partner. Partner. We call each other. I call him my husband. He calls me his wife, but that's because if you're in the Philippines and you're older than 18 and together, everyone assumes that. So we've basically been calling each other husband and wife for years. That's the same Um, with me and Ugo as well. It's easier because if not, why are you not married? You have a kid. Why? Yeah, we're just married. Like, (laughs) we're just married. Yeah. We've been, we've been engaged for four years. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was one of those pandemic things. And then, you know, a pregnancy thing and you're like, I want to get drunk at my wedding and I can't do that if I'm nursing or have a baby. So permanently on hold. Um, but yeah, how you were asking how we met? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I was actually on a family vacation in Shargao (laughs) and my mom's from the Philippines originally. And we decided to come and do like a family trip. And I was actually moving to Bali. I had been living in Fiji before and I came to Shargao like luggage packed, like this is en route to move to Bali. And we were sitting five feet from where I'm sitting now having breakfast. And my mom wanted to do like an island hopping. And so she went to talk to the manager of the hotel and to organize like a boat adventure. And she said, oh, well, the owner of the company's here. Why don't you just go talk to him? And a few minutes later, my mom walks over with this like tall, handsome Spanish man with this huge grin on her face. Like, <laughs> And she's like, why don't you talk to my daughter about the trip? And um, suddenly he was just around like a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he was there having coffee in the morning with my mom and they're having like a cocktail. Oh, my God. Food, and he's just like around I a lot. I love it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was really funny, but needless to say, I didn't move to Bali. My mom went back home. I stayed. <laughs> you and stayed from the family trip? Like you never, you didn't go home from the family trip. You like. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I was, yeah, no, I, I mean, I went to Bali like for a month. The plan was to move there, yeah. but I just said no and, and. I went like for a month after that and then and then yeah we traveled together for a while through Europe and then came back to Shargao and wow yeah it was <laughs> so unexpected it was the last thing in the entire world that I was looking for at that point mm-hmm. um and my mom is like not a great judge of men in general so <laughs> so this was a really really fun twist of events for sure Mm -hmm. that's so special yeah it really was because it kind of became like a family experience instead of just like I met this guy in a bar one day but actually like my mom my brother like everyone were kind of involved (laughs) (laughs) thanks mom yeah and also so like had had you gone back to Shargao a lot before? Had you visited the Philippines a lot before? Like No, no, not at all. It was my first time in Shargao. My mom's not from here. She's from um outside of Manila. And my mom came to the States when she was younger. And I grew up like very much with this American identity in a way. Um 
my mom, when she came to the States, she met a lot of racism and really struggled to hold on to her Filipina heritage while being in the States. And so for me, it was like she just wanted, I think, to forget about her past, forget about the Philippines and really make me a young American girl, um, which was very confusing in a way because like my grandmother, my family, they all spoke Tagalog and they would speak together, but didn't teach me. We grew up in a pretty like Filipino house, you know, Filipino mm-hmm. household, but the ambitions were always on education, money, security, play piano, do ballet, like become the well-rounded all-American girl. And I think that also came from, you know, I was first generation there. So they put kind of all their hopes and dreams and wishes into me. Yeah. And so there was no really like looking back at the Philippines. And then when my grandmother passed away, it was uh, the same year as my mom's 50th birthday. And we thought, you know, maybe a homecoming is a good idea. I'd only been to the Philippines once before for three months with my grandmother when I was younger. Um, and so this was a big deal to like see it as an adult. And we came to Shargao because I had heard about this tiny surf island and was like begging my mom, please, it sounds like a dream. Let's go. And and when we got here, my mom had said, she this feels more like home than any other place in the Philippines we've been, um, even though it wasn't her home. And I think it just mm. reminded her a lot of like where she grew up, though now it's changed a lot in these like 40 years. Um, and so there was just this kind of like, I don't know, kind of a magic here that was really, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to explain, but it was like my grandmother was with us, kind of nudging us and guiding us towards these parts of our culture that we didn't know about or that we had lost, you yeah. know, and she was like, they're kind of orchestrating the show. And my mom, like with every turn, was just seeing her childhood everywhere and then telling all these stories. And suddenly, like all of our Americanisms could like fall behind us. And we got to really immerse ourselves in this side of our culture and our heritage. And I just thought, like, besides this great new love of my life, like, Bali didn't, <laughs> make, Bali didn't make sense anymore. Like, why would I do that when I could really learn to be a Filipina being here? You know? Um, mm. And it just, it made, it just made sense, like, in my heart, in my mind, like, everything connected. Yeah. And obviously like your mom grew up there. So you said everywhere she turned, she had this experience of like homecoming and familiarity. Did you have any kind of strange experiences of like familiarity or this feeling of belonging or was it? I think, um, the biggest thing was that just little, little nuances, little details, um, that I would see in people were things that I always thought were just like my family, like weird little things that we did how we like swatted or sat on the floor or like, I don't know, really little things. Um, and then I realized like walking in the grocery store or just anywhere, like, Oh no, it's not us. Like that's a, that's a Filipino thing, you know, like <laughs> that's actually yeah. part of our culture. And it was a huge eye opener, especially to experience that with one of my siblings. It was just so, was so impactful. And then hearing people speak, you know, her native, my grandmother's native language, you hear it, but you didn't like interact with it in the house, you know, like she would be on the phone talking to my aunties or something, but it wasn't my language that I interacted. And then suddenly here, 
it's all around you. It's everywhere. My, it's coming to life again in my mom. And it was just, yeah, I, I definitely had that, uh, that growth experience, I think, and like reconnection. Yeah. And what does it mean for your mom now that like her grandchild's being raised here? And what does that mean for her now? I think it makes for her, it makes so much sense. It's not the life that they had envisioned for me at all, but I think she's kind of come full circle on that. And that now I think she's really proud that her grandson is able to get the thing that she couldn't give to me in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. and that he gets fully immersed in something that, yeah, we learned from my grandmother. My grandmother's not here anymore. So how else would he have learned it? You know, how else would he have adopted all of this if we stayed in California? How would he have gotten that? And now it's like he's, you know, just dunked in the culture. He's learning the language. He's eating the food. He's with the people. You know, it's this is his home and it's his culture. It's not just like the culture of his grandmother or of his mother, but now it's his. It's a lie for him. Yeah. And it's like in him. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think she's really proud of that. Um, I certainly yeah. am. So. Yeah. That's incredible yeah. because the truth is it, it would have been lost, you know? So. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, Easy's family, my partner, they're Spanish and we spent the early years of Minnie's life in Spain or in El Salvador. So he had the Spanish. He's, that's very much alive in him. And then obviously, you know, I'm from California. I can give him that, but how can I teach him something that's only part of me? And mm-hmm. so to fully submerse him in that makes it more alive in me and it makes it, yeah, like it makes it his own. Yeah, that's it. Me. It's not just something that comes from mom. It's actually something he's lived in. It's in his friends and his connection. And like you said, the food he eats, that's is so incredible. Yeah, it is. It's, it really is. And it's something I never, ever thought. I never envisioned this for my life. It really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful in so many ways that life took the twists and turns that it did to get me here because yeah, I just, I would never have expected it. Before this, before like going on the family trip and deciding to stay, were you someone who typically was good at following your gut or were you someone who analyzed a lot or? Both. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, definitely. I think you know, growing up also in that family dynamic, there were a lot of obligations and ones that you were kind of with pride, but very much, you know, the family says that you do this and so you do and you listen. And so I went to the top tier university. I got the great job. I did all of those things. And I was proud because I saw how proud my family was and I wanted to do it for them, you know? But there was always something that like pulled at me and pulled me in a different direction. And my family always knew that they saw that and in so many ways they encouraged it. But it was also like, do that, you know, on your holidays, do that on your vacation days, make sure you set yourself up for success because they didn't have success in that, you know, societal sense. They didn't have that security. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got to a point where I had all of that. I did it all. And I said, okay, I've checked off the boxes and I had a total burnout. And I said, I just need to like do something totally different. And so I did. I think I told you before, but I bought a boat 
and I sailed from San Francisco to Fiji. <laughs> like a oh my god, super, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a like a really crazy tournament. Oh my god, um, yeah. Well, and prior to that, I right after graduating college, I moved to France. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna move to France. I'm gonna learn French. I'm gonna learn all language. And even then, my family was like, what? Like we're in a recession. You have a job. Why are you leaving? And I said, I, I want to learn another language. But for them, Europe was like, ooh, Europe's like next level, you know? So great. I went to Europe and they were kind of okay with that. But then the boat thing really threw them for a loop. But I felt really confident that like, I have listened to you. I've got my security. I've got my fall back. But now I really do need to listen to my intuition. And it's telling me run in the other direction. You know, run as fast as you can. And I did. And I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that, that I did. <laughs> and yeah. that they supported it. You know, ultimately they supported it. Um, but it changed the whole, yeah, it, listening to that changed the direction, the direction of my life. I think you have to listen to your intuition because it's wiser than you are, you know, but if you're yeah. always, yeah. <laughs> But if you're only following that and not also combining it with like your head and looking around and seeing, okay, like what is my setup here? How can I listen to my intuition in a way that's going to produce like a desired result? You yeah. Know, like, I, I connect with that, that a lot. Yeah. Because when I like my big thing was I was 22 and I was in university and then I like quit everything and moved to Central America. And, and my only framework was always like, you need to quit and burn every single bridge before you start a new life. Or you need to always leap with like no security. That was my framework. And it wasn't until I met Ugo who was sort of like, I want to live that life but I also want to be a bit more secure. That was my first experience of being like, oh, okay, it's not full security and you don't move versus you just burn everything every time and we'll figure it out and eat tortillas every yeah. day. Like, yeah. who cares? Tortillas are cheap. Like, there is, like, shades of grey in between it being like, we can, like, be, like, structured and really think where we want to go and where we want to be while also having that heavy dose of, like, being informed by your intuition as well. Absolutely. I, I always like try to explain, I guess, when I talk about like my wild or who, who I am, like what my character is. And I think I'm definitely a person who really appreciates controlled spontaneity, mm. you know, like, which doesn't sound very fun, but in fact it is because it feels like I can really be free, you know, mm. like I can actually be my most free when I have some kind of framework. When yeah, freedom to, within structures almost exactly you know like i'm i have a parenthesis to my day or to my week or a, a trip or whatever it is so i have that structure and then within that i can be as i want and i can do what i want but i know that it's okay you know i'm not going to i'm not going to crash and burn I guess. yeah you know yeah and and yeah. it makes me feel so much more capable of like truly enjoying that um mm -hmm. versus like okay i'm gonna run for it because my gut says do this and then you get without having like the internal resources for actually making that thing come to fruition but mm -hmm. rather like okay how can i match those things together Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you can do what you dream.
Mm-hmm. I love that. And that relates a lot to one, one thing I did want to ask you because as, as women, but also specifically as mothers, like I do think we need to have this outlet of wild. We do need to keep this connection with wild because without that, like the walls can close in pretty quickly, you know? So, but like you said, we can't just burn everything to the ground. We have like a child to take care of. We have a family. We have like, so what are some ways that you do kind of like hold on to your wild, like within that structure? I think that the structure is actually a huge component of it. Um, the times that I've actually felt like the most lost have been the times that I've had no structure in my life. Um, I learned very quickly when I took off on the sailing trip that I was a person who needed a routine and not like a write every single thing down to the day, but I wake up and I have like my morning cup of tea and then I have time to do what I want. But then I know that at night I'm going to do this thing, you know, like, again, like anchors to my day and having little things that I can hold on to actually allow me to, to tap into that wild. I think a bit more. Yeah. Having, I think to, to like put that into a better package, it's like I need to tame my mind in order to feel the most free, mm. you know, and once I kind of have control of my mind then I need to be able to move freely within my space and that always comes from like feeling my own strength in my movement outside like really being outside and whether that's in snow which usually I am not like ever in the cold you know (laughs) but but finding myself in nature finding myself in the water finding myself you know running up a hill doing something physical out in the world connecting with people with a tame mind um is really how I do that and in so many ways people ask me this a lot like how do you hold on to that when you're a mother and I think being a mother has actually brought that out so much more because it's Mm -hmm. what I want to share with my son and maybe that wouldn't be the case if I didn't live in the environment that I do but every day I'm encouraged to get out to explore to hop on a bicycle to get in the water, to go snorkeling, whatever it is, because I want him, I want my son to see those things too. I mm. want to share that all with him. And it keeps me really present in that, in all the things that make me thrive, mm. you know, are the things that I want to share with him. So yeah. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it does because sometimes it's easier to like do those things for them rather than ourselves, right? To be like, no, it's vital that he's outside and it's vital that he's grounding himself and that he's seeing yeah. different things. Whereas sometimes when it's just us, it's easy to kind of be like, well, maybe like other things are more important, you know? So that's true, totally. that grounding. And I know for me, like something as small as putting juggle in this school showed me what I was missing in the sense of like, being expected to be somewhere at like 8am and just like the back and forth between the parents it takes two minutes and then kind of getting up and kind of getting dressed for that a little bit because I was like very like whatever about just this thing of like it seems so small and the reason I discounted these things for so long is because they seem small but it's actually giving that significance like you said to that cup of tea like I get up and I make a cup of tea or something like these small little rituals that anchor us and now for him it's like his bedtime and like there's I get this immense satisfaction of like washing a dirty kid at the end of the day and being like this kid lived today like you know and And now now you're done 
Yeah, and now we're chilling the fuck out and go to sleep. Like we're done. The day is done. Exactly. Exactly. No, it it is so true. It's so true. And I and I think even before having a child, though, right? Like, I mean, it was definitely easier. I felt like I could tap into my wild, or I was like ninety percent or more of the time. Like that was who I was. I was just a Mm -hmm. wild woman, you know. Mm -hmm. And but even then. I still had to find the ways to keep that going, Mm. you know, like, yeah. And it's not always running off into a faraway foreign country. Right. But like, how Mm -hmm. can you keep that, like access that, um, in, in your own life? And it, it is so much of what you, like you just said, finding out what it is that you need, you know, discovering like what it is that you need, what is going to set you off and then making the space to let that happen. Mm hmm. You know, and that was, it's so critical. And then obviously much harder to do when you're a mother. Yeah. <laughs> harder, but, but you, you just, you do, because this is my life. It's the only life that I have. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is such thing as a woman without her wild. Mm. Yeah. We, we need it. We need it to survive. Yeah. So you, you know, you make yeah. it happen. Yeah, that's it. Do you feel like you've always kind of had that good connection with your wild or do you feel like there's ever been points of your life where you've lost that connection or? Yes. Um, the only time I've really felt, I mean, noticeably that I lost it was during COVID. Um, and yes, that was also when I became a mother, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> attribute it to motherhood. I think it was having no control over my day over my future knowing nothing of what could happen next and I couldn't be outside and I'm Mm. definitely a person I need to be outside like I'm famous in the family for this I am not that kind of person that does like the lazy Sunday at home thing it's just not (laughs) you know yeah it's 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 not like I can do a couple hours but by eight in the morning if I'm still at home I'm super anxious like I need to get outside so definitely the first year of the pandemic I was so I felt lost and really disconnected I hadn't swam in the sea you know in like ever and forever Mm. it felt like months and months and months without being in the water and I obviously hadn't surfed and I hadn't done anything outside I hadn't climbed a mountain I hadn't done anything and there I was at home like washing dishes and watching Netflix and you know, looking for hobbies that I could do that didn't involve my physical body because I was mm. recently postpartum and I thought, what the hell do people do if they can't like run around? Yeah. Like, what yeah. Are, who are these people that have indoor <laughs> hobbies? Like, what, what is that? What are they? Um, yeah. And, mm. you know, I thought, well, maybe I should like learn the guitar and like, fuck that. I am not a musician, you know, like <laughs> maybe I knit. No, like it just, it wasn't who I was. Um, and that was a really dark time. Yeah. Was a really, really hard time. And I think that going back to the conversation we had maybe before you were recording, I don't remember now, was like, I didn't feel like I was living. Yeah. You know, that was that period of time where it was just, just blank. Yeah. I, I didn't live. And that was mm-hmm. when I felt like I, I wasn't tame. You know, I was, mm. I wasn't wild. I was just lost. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. 
that speaks to me a lot, I think. Yeah, it's so hard to differentiate what was postpartum and what was COVID, but definitely I do remember like pacing in my like in-laws backyard because we were on semi-lockdown, but they were saying pregnant people shouldn't go outside, which was just the craziest thing ever, like walking outside pregnant and having like police act like you're committing a crime. It was just the weirdest thing ever. And I just remember being like, I have to do this like 10,000 steps a day. Like people were doing marathons on their little balconies in Spain. I know, I know, I know. They were, my neighbors would be like on their tiny balcony running like an hour in place. And I think, how do you do that? Like how... Yeah. How are you doing that? I can't yeah. move. I've gained like 40 pounds or whatever. Uh-huh. I can hardly get off the couch. Yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. It's- I know like the biggest thing for me was that I stopped driving. Like because like there was nowhere to drive to. We couldn't go outside. We were on curfew. Yeah. And like driving was sort of something that I'd always taken for granted because obviously when I was like in Australia and I was driving anywhere and seeing my friends yeah. and then I got to like Guatemala and it's like a bit more hectic, the roads and a bit more intense. And that's when I started sort of deferring to let Ugo drive a bit more. And then like when COVID happened, I fully stopped driving and I didn't start driving again for another two years. And I was just like, it's wow. fine. Like I have parks nearby. I have a stroller. Like I was kind of lying to myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because- yeah. And then I, and then I was slowly picking it back up, but it's crazy because I think that was one of the biggest things I lost in COVID. Like, yes, it was like the choice, but the driving, cause when I went back to Australia and this was only six months ago, really. And my mom was like, take my car keys and go see your friends. Like, and yeah. I was just like, Oh my God, like this is little things I think that we take for granted that were lost during okay. COVID. And I think, and I don't know if this has happened to you also, but I think in that time, where I was feeling so disconnected and and I think it's still a process because I'm not totally plugged back in yet but Mm -hmm. in that time like a really gray zone um I was constantly searching for my old self you know not like the old body or anything like that um but more like that girl that felt so free like Mm. I missed her so much. Like I missed that girl that glowed, that woke up with like excitement and zest for the day and dreams, you know? And, and then during the pandemic, I became kind of afraid of like, of dreaming. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what the future was going to be like, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, And obviously so many other things like with our business and whatever, just kind of were falling apart. And, and then now I realize like, I'm never going to be her again. It won't be, yeah. you, you can't, but she's still part of me. Like she's still in me. And now I get to be a different person that has her and this new, like fierce, ferocious strength, determination and love and compassion of a mother, mm-hmm. you know, and I get to put those mm-hmm. two things together and move forward with that. And like, create a new version of my wild like what does that look like because it's not going to be what she was before I can't I have different responsibilities now you know it can't be that so what is it going to look like you know Mm -hmm. and and in a way I'm getting excited about that about trying to like redefine that and reframe that and Mm -hmm. and it is and it lives in those little things and I think those little things are just driving right or something small that make you feel like and I love that you say driving because it's something that always 
always feels good. I get home and you can just like drive alone with whatever music you want to. And oh, yeah. Home, you know? <laughs> oh, like, my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, you know, but like those little things help pull you, I think, like pull those two parts of you together to make the yeah. the new thing. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. I love that. It's true because like, for example, me and my sister used to love dance music and we used to go to all the festivals and get like really fucked yeah. up and like, and I stopped listening to that music because I'm like, okay, that part of my life is over. And then I started listening to it again and I'm like, okay, I don't want to go back to that stage in my life. I'm not going to like go to these big music festivals yeah. and like be getting messed up or whatever. Like I think like, you know, but I could still, but just that's it, like bringing these little things that remind you of like that part of yourself while also bringing it into this new and being curious about about the woman you are now and that's so true I think we can get so stuck on I used to be like this I was like this but how can it be that you go back to being so I think firstly it's impossible because now you have this human and like just anything happening to them is just like the worst possible thing you can imagine right so it's just like and you're just so aware of how like fragile life is and so aware, like anyone who's had a kid who's fine and then suddenly has a fever and then suddenly is like, oh my God, we're in the yeah. hospital. Like, you know, you're like, totally. okay, like you can't be, have that level of care for it. Cause I didn't care what happened to me before. Cause it was just me. I was yeah. like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I won't be here. <laughs> you know? So totally. like, it totally. sounds bad, totally. but now it's like, okay. So now I have like this deeper sense of like life and responsibility and also like, fear like yeah there is bigger fear but then there's also like the other side of that so yeah I just love I love how you say that because it just speaks to me a lot like and I don't think I hear these things enough which is is this like emerging identity on this other side of motherhood and also like yeah so thank you yeah no of course and and, you know sometimes it's like I do you know I'll go out with my girlfriends at night like other mom friends maybe and I see these women who are at a different stage in their life. And I think, wow, I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> you know, I say like, wow, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, and it, so the, it, it is that two sides of like longing who you were, but then also very much valuing, appreciating, honoring like this huge growth and evolution that you went through, yeah. you know, and like, mm. yeah, coming out on the other side and then, moving forward with that because yeah there's yeah there's a lot of it that I don't want to go back to yeah <laughs> so no, much, I like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like whoa whoa you know it's I have the music festival in my house now at like 3 p.m during nap time basically yeah like headphones <laughs> on that's and I'm like in it to win it you know it's yeah like, <laughs> yeah I was I, I recently started like picking up cycling and I don't even like I am not a cyclist this is not my sport but um I wanted to try something new and you know I just like I have to do something different got on a bike and I like for me it's not the dance music it's like the, the hood rap like I like oh yeah really you know <laughs> so I stick my headphones on and I'm just like in the most serene beautiful fields rice fields I should be listening to like Enya or something and it's just like like too short you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> jamming jamming and I come back home and Easy's like wow like you had a really good ride and I'm like yeah I did like yeah. I definitely tapped into my like you know former like thug life self it was just yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. And then he's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Just it's like, all right. It's okay. <laughs> it's reasonable in headphones you don't need to know about it (laughs) yeah absolutely right but it's it is really those little things and it was it's something so small but it feels like ah welcome home Gina yeah you know like there there you are yeah a hundred percent there you are and that's it you're not going back there but she comes with you she comes with you into this new iteration and it's amazing it's so fun like why not Yeah, yeah right Interrupting this podcast with a quick ad before we get right back into it. Optimize your wellness with the Salty Club, at-home training, yoga, nutrition and empowerment. After years of running transformative travel experiences with Salty Souls Experience, we started to realize how deeply training, yoga, nutrition and empowerment complement each other. The fact is, when a woman invites these four things into her life, she slowly becomes a force to be reckoned with. And now with the Salty Club, it's never been more accessible right from your very own home. The Salty Club's mission is to make it easy for you to sharpen your body, mind and soul from anywhere in the world, 365 days a year. And you can grab your seven day free trial by hitting your browser and typing in the salty.club and it will take you where you need to go. T-H-E-S-A-L-T-Y dot C-L-U-B, the salty dot club where you'll find Gina is also a trainer there as well. So check it out, grab your free seven-day free trial and we'll see you there. Now back to the podcast. Turning for a more serious note is you have, well, maybe you could tell us a bit about your resort and also what happened a few years ago with that and I would really love to hear that whole story. Yeah. So, um, after like the sailing trip and, you know, all the life pivots, I knew that I wanted to create a physical space where women could do a life pivot without having to do a 180. Um, it was something that became like very relevant in my mind that, okay, like I did a 180, quit this like, you know, high power job to go sail across the world. Like that's not for everyone. It's not what everyone needs to do. It's not what they want to do. It's not necessary either. You know, if you can just make a five degree pivot, you'll end up in a completely different direction. So this was something that had been on my mind when I came to Shargal. And when I met Easy, um, we just kind of started dreaming <coughs> together about creating a physical space to do that, where I could host retreats and it could be part of the surf culture for him. His business before was all about sharing, you know, really special remote places of the Philippines with interesting groups of like surf groups that came. Um, and so how could we like put that together? And so we decided to build Punta Punta. And we have this land in like a local village. We're the only business there. And it's super close to town, but also feels really far away like the second you drive out of town you're just like oh like I can breathe again and I say town even though it's like town is five minutes long you know it's, mm-hmm. but for us it feels like the big city I'm going to town. yeah 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 um but <laughs> it's it's just this tiny little corner of like paradise you know and and we built it within this 
uh, local village, which is, and I don't know if it's the same thing where you are, but definitely a risky thing to do in the Philippines because you don't know what your neighbors are going to be like. You cannot control the karaoke or like whatever else oh, yeah. might happen. You yeah. know, so if you want to have like a very peaceful retreat business, it's a big risk putting it in that in a small community. But um, yeah. we did. We got. Easy had known the people in that community for a long time and had really built deep relationships with them. And they were very welcoming to the idea of us doing this. And for us, it felt like kind of the most important thing to put it there, because then when people did come, they weren't just going to like a pretty place, you know, that you see on Instagram, but like every time you walk into the business, you're passing through a local village, you're seeing how people really live, you know, and that can be shocking for some people if they've never seen, you know, poverty, I'll call it what it is. And if you've never seen that before, it can be shocking. But on the other side of that, you're also seeing real humans doing real life, cooking their dinner, you know, washing their clothes, smiling, happy, spending time with their families. It's like, it is a true cultural experience that you're getting every time you come in and out. So the community was a huge part of our business and it still is like, it's kind of the foundation of everything that we're doing there. So when the pandemic happened, uh, that was shortly after we opened, like really shortly after we opened and then we had to leave because I was pregnant and we took off. And so it was really like leaving our child. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard because we only employ people from the village and we knew that if we didn't stay open, they wouldn't have a job and how are they going to take care of their families? So we stayed open and we still kept our entire team throughout the whole lockdown. Um, you know, it was, we had the option to leave, you know, and go to Spain and like, live a different life but they don't have that like what were they going to do you know without a job so even though their job essentially became like trimming the grass or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they they did it you know they were just there kind of like protectors of the land and took care of the guests and things that we were able to make happen um and then we were just waiting you know, waiting and waiting and waiting for the Philippines to open up again. Uh, Easy would need a visa to get here. He couldn't get it. And so, yeah, like kind of like your story of going to Australia, I could have come back with Minnie, but what am I going to do here alone and not knowing when he's going to come back with a newborn baby, you know, the whole thing. Finally, the country opened in November. We were in El Salvador at this point and we said, okay, amazing. We're going to come back after Christmas. We'll be there in January so excited like we're out of El Salvador we're gonna go we're gonna get back to our life it's time to like start living again you know yeah and then we start hearing warnings of a typhoon and there were I mean there have been a lot of typhoons in the Philippines obviously that happen every year and we've been here during like smaller typhoons and it's not really anything that anyone gets too worried about um you just think okay like if you're on the water maybe you would evacuate or like move further inland but like people are accustomed to this but Odette went from a category one to a category five typhoon in 24 hours and there was no time to prepare like no time to evacuate people no time to protect 
your property, you know, how else can you get new materials to board things up? I mean, there's really nothing you can do. And then it hit. Shargal was the first, uh, the first landfall of the typhoon. And I think there were like wind gusts, like seven or 370 kilometers an hour. So I mean, it was really, really devastating. Oh um, yeah, it was a lot. And I can't even imagine what it was like to have been here and lived through that. I feel so grateful, obviously, that I wasn't. Um, because it sounds horrific and so many of our friends are still very scarred from that experience. On the other side, all I wanted to do was be here. The only thing that we wanted was to come back because you're wondering like, what happened to my friends, my family, like my life, my whole life savings, everything, that, all the dreams, everything you've worked for that you've built, what happened to all of that? Um, but there was no news, we couldn't, there was no power, there was no connection, there was no water, there was nothing. We couldn't talk to anybody on the island. And, you know, finally, when we did, the mission became very clear. Like, I couldn't answer those questions that I had for myself. I couldn't possibly know, well, now what next? What happens to my business? What happens to my dreams? What happens to my life saving? I couldn't answer any of those questions. And there's nothing I could do about it. Like, absolutely nothing I could do. So we just channeled all of our energy back into that community and thought, well, we're going to help in any possible way that we can. And, you know, at this point, like, I'll be frank, we were broke. You know, we used all of our money in construction. We used all of our money to keep our business running. And now this, you know, village of people, this whole island of people who have made you feel so at home, so welcome, have nothing how can you like give more when you don't have anything left to give but that's where you can like rely right on those resources that you built being a, a very successful young American girl that your parents wanted um, you know and we just made our entire focus about helping our village um, and so that's what we did we got super into fundraising and just did everything that we could. And at that point, again, I was, you know, a new mom and my heart just broke thinking there are so many mothers right now who can't get diapers, formula. You know, no one is thinking about those things. I mean, all of these relief aid groups for people who are off the island and everyone is talking about, you know, certain relief things. How do we get them, you know, rice, food, water, whatever. And of course, they need all that but then you also have babies yeah <laughs> and, and and pads as well and like things yeah, that the women exactly. like sanitary products and yeah absolutely and so that kind of became my like mission and our village half of the population of the village are under 10 years old mm. so wow. everything became for like how do we help these kids you know, and their mothers. Like, I, I just, I couldn't even imagine. Um, so yeah, that's, and, and we had to just put aside all of our own, our own worries, I guess, at that point. And otherwise we would have gotten totally, totally lost. I mean, we were talking about that gray zone. I was definitely in a gray period. And then this just sends you straight into like the darkness, you know, mm -hmm. but Eventually, Easy came back to as soon as he could to check out, you know, the damage, see what happened. And 
I cannot tell you how beautiful of a relationship that we must have built with this community because you know, after the typhoon, there was so much looting, like people were, you know, going to hotels or whatever and stealing all the things. And of course they were, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, of, of course, course yeah. they were like, duh, you know, I had expected that we would have had nothing left. That's like, yeah. really, I thought we'd have nothing left. I mean, we're the only business in this place. They know that there are mattresses and pillows and sheets and, you know, whatever, food, everything. I thought everything would be gone. And I was okay with that because mm. obviously they needed it. He <laughs> got back and our old manager had told us, hey, guys, I'm really sorry, but your wine didn't make it. <laughs> and we were just like what like what are you talking what like what are you talking about I mean everything obviously the buildings the things that were destroyed they were destroyed but our personal belongings our team had gone to the to the business they took our stuff out and brought it to their only house that was still standing like wow. how incredible right like yeah. Because I would think if I were in this situation, I'm not thinking about my boss's shirts or books. Yeah. You know, like I'm not thinking about that. Um, uh -huh. I'm thinking about how to survive. I don't have a house anymore. I'm thinking about my children. Yeah. And they took turns like taking care of the property, caring for our things. You know, it was so huge. And I felt so grateful that we had developed this relationship so strongly with our community that like they looked out for us even when we had been gone for like two years you know yeah, a really long time a really long time and I mean the wine was gone and I think that <laughs> that's fine if they <laughs> fine you know take the wine take the wine yeah. we'll survive the loss of the wine but you know it was it showed me so much about why we chose this life and why we chose this island yes. Because ultimately, the value set here is so different. You know, it's really focused on what's real and what's important. And people care for each other. And they are so resilient. You know, it's not that, oh, you know, people are poor but happy. It's not so easy to say it like that. It's that they see struggle. They face struggle every single day. And they accept that this is you know, also part of what life is. And how mm. can we just do this together and get through it together? And mm. it just made me feel even more grateful yet to have put our life savings, our dreams, our everything into this island. Um, yeah. Because it is truly, truly special in that way. Wow. That's such an incredible story. And I think it's so true. Like, I don't know if the States, but I assume so is very similar to Australia where of course, like there's incredible people, but like the, the mindset and what we're kind of taught from a young age is taking care of yourself and yeah. that individualistic mindset versus this thing of, like you said, these people were taking care of you and your home. You hadn't been there for two years. Like it's just this thing of like, no, we're a community and we take care of each other. But you guys yeah. showed that in turn by also being like, okay, we're turning all our focus onto the community. You know, and yeah, so many people, especially as people are like moving to different parts of the world and starting businesses and, and some people are trying to like move to different parts of the world and then just be very insular 
And it's like, if you are moving to a community, like you do have to care about the community. Yeah. Yes, you can get successful very quickly. You can make a fuck ton of money. Yes, you can exploit like the discrepancy and like, you know, yes, you can, but like you just lose out on so much. You think you're winning? Totally. You guys could have been completely different people and had a completely different experience, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, our our team started rebuilding the roof of our house without us even being there, you know, just using scrap metals and things they could find. Like you only get that kind of relationship if you are equally invested in giving it, you know, and it's not just because, oh, here we are, you know, giving you money to rebuild your house. It's not that that was a relationship long in the process. And very much what you're saying is it's so true. Like, People come now, you know, especially after the pandemic, people are choosing to live in different places and, and choosing different lifestyles. And I think it's a really beautiful thing, but you have to get to know a community in order to call it yours, mm. you know, and to expect anything out of it. And that's why I feel like really proud of the way that we approach the situation really getting to know the people there, getting, spending time, you know, and I think a lot of people are a bit uncomfortable in what is not just foreign or unknown to them, but is so vastly different, you know, like we have had guests and they were definitely not meant for us, you know, that have been uncomfortable thinking, oh my gosh, but like you're in a local village and we're like, yeah, we are in a local village. Yeah, you know, we're proud of it. And they're a bit freaked out. But then you're not meant for this place and, you know, or any place like this. If yeah. you if you don't have a genuine interest in getting to know how people live. Mm. You know? So yeah. it's and it's something also that I'm really proud to be able to share again, like with my son. He runs around barefoot just like every other kid in the village and he doesn't see that distinction. You know, they're just friends and they Mm -hmm. do life as they do. And yeah, I think it's a note to anyone who's deciding to make that move, you know, to to a new culture, even if it's within your own country, you have to get people and you have to care about them because if Mm -hmm. it's a place where you don't know them and you don't care, then you don't belong. That's just simply what it is. Straight up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's so true. <laughs> that's it. Sounds harsh, but that's really what it is. No, it's totally true. So who is like the right kind of person who would come to your place and get the most most out of it? Like what kind of people do you invite to your space? Curious people. I think that we the majority of, of the people that come to us are they're explorers. You know, it's not just like a a tourist coming for a holiday, which is also totally fine. Um, But people that are that are curious about the world that Mm -hmm. genuinely respect their nature, their environment. It's one thing that makes Shargao quite unique to many other places I've been is that the local community has the same hobbies as the visitors, as the tourists, as the expats. Everyone serves. Everyone. You know, moms, dads, girls, guys, babies, everyone's in the water. And so there is a really deep appreciation for our environment here. And so I think that that's 
absolutely something that's bonding. And for the people that come to Punta, that's also what they're looking for. Even if they've never like touched a surfboard in their life or ever put on like a snorkel mask, it's that they're curious about that. You know, mm-hmm. that they they can see that there's a, a different life and they want to know about that. And mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful thing because so, 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 so much of the aid that came in after the typhoon was from old guests who had had a wow. really impactful relationship with us. You know, they went to, and it's not uncommon, you come to Punta, you might end up in a local basketball tournament, or you might, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you might end up at karaoke on like a Sunday afternoon at like the captain's house. I mean, this happens like every day that mm-hmm. we have people coming with us and like, oh, I'm going to go to the surf instructor's house, or I'm going to a wedding, you know, and <laughs> You know, it's, it, it happens all the time. And like, how else do you get that experience unless you're getting to know the people? Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Definitely. 100%. I think that our place is right for the person who's curious, who's curious, who still wants to be comfortable. You know, you're sleeping on really delicious sheets and have a gorgeous view and a beautiful shower. Like you're not losing a single creature comfort, you know, but yeah, um, you, you want to know what's like beyond Instagram. Mm-hmm. how people are how people live you want to know about the philippines about the culture it's that's the right person definitely i love it so for yeah. people who are listening and they're like okay <laughs> that is me where can they where can they find your place where can they find you yeah find um well, on instagram punta punta shargao and come say hello it is as beautiful as the pictures so don't be fooled but so <laughs> 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 there are also like lots of little kids waiting outside to give you a high five and a random chicken. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. And where can people find you and hear more from you? I love your posts that you put up. I love what you share. And I oh, would love you. people to know where to find you too. Yeah. Also on Instagram, Cactus and the Wave. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gina thank you so much for sitting with me today it was so good to finally get to chat to you I got so much out of our conversation and I feel like our listeners will too so thank you yeah thank you so much for having me I'm so glad that we finally got to just like talk I hope Uh you can find something in this big mess of a a conversation that we had but thank you I really appreciate it I just love being part of this community I love having you. Well, if you're ever passing through Guatemala, you're welcome. And I know know. one day we'll pass through there. Do you think like is Guatemala now your home base? Is that where you're? Yeah. For the next few years, I think definitely. So we go between, have you been to Guatemala before? No, we were in El Salvador for Uh, a year and never, never left. Oh, okay. If you're ever passing through, but I know like I'm dying to go to Chagall. So I know I'll be there one day. So I know we'll cross paths eventually and get to just like. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there are so many, um, like the Australian surf community really put Shargao like on the map. And so yeah. now you have lots of easy flights from Australia. So next time oh, you, good. Home, you can make it yeah. a quick stop. But, Perfect. you know, Guatemala, it's funny, Easy was just talking about this. Like we never in our wildest dreams expected to go to El Salvador. Like that was mm-hmm. such a random random decision and mm-hmm. he after deciding okay fine let's check out El Salvador he left 24 hours after uh after like thinking about it like it was, wow 
yeah, he had to go immediately because for like residency things and whatever, he had mm-hmm. to be there by July 1st. And it oh was God. June 29th when he read that they would like allow residency for, you know, like it was easy to get residency for foreign citizens and blah, blah. Yeah. He left the next morning. Like, went oh my home. God. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh it was God. really, yeah, it was really, it was like really, really crazy. Like, we were at the beach. And he's like reading like, oh, well, El Salvador, we go to El Salvador. And I'm like, where the hell is El Salvador? I had that reaction too before I moved there. I called my dad. I'm like, where is it? Yeah. I was like, where is El Salvador? And he's like, I don't know. But like now they've got this whole, you know, like Bitcoin thing and you can do residency and whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like go home, do whatever Googling while you're talking you have to do. I'm going to the, baby, to the beach with the baby. I get home from the beach two hours later and he's like literally packing bags. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? And he's like, I got to go. Like, if I'm going to do this, I got to go like, like now. And I was like, okay, pause, <laughs> pause like pause in one minute. <laughs> where is El Salvador? Like, where? Yeah, firstly, where are you going? <laughs> where are you going? And then you start Googling it and it's like, you know, just everyone says it's so dangerous. It's like the most dangerous place in the world. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. whoa like what is all of this like what have we been talking about and he's you know I drive him five hours to the airport it's been the longest I'd ever been away from the baby I drive him to the airport and we're crying in the airport because like we're thinking like is this the last time we're ever gonna see each other like is he just gonna die you know we have we have no idea that's how desperate we were to get out of like that gray space yeah you know? get out yeah. of you know of just being stuck we felt so stuck yeah. and it sounds awful to say it right like we were in the Mediterranean people dream of living in the Mediterranean but like it it just wasn't the life that we wanted with all these you know and you're in the lockdown and just everything and just it just wasn't yeah. for us it wasn't our life yeah and so we're like let's just get out of here <laughs> So we're like, where is it going? And I drop him off at the airport. We're crying. Like, will I ever see you again? Like, I don't know. You know. And we've traveled like the world. So we're not like yeah. naive travelers, you know, but the internet is a scary place when you start oh, looking yeah. out. Oh, oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And Reconsider your need to travel slash do not yeah. travel. Like what? <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh my God. It was, and, and, you know, we couldn't find anything to say the contrary. We just mm-hmm. had one friend from Chargal that surfed in a competition in El Salvador who said, this place is awesome. Go. Yeah. And we're like, we're putting a lot of stock in you, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, you here we go. You know, here we go. And on the way, sorry, story so long, but like leaving it. the leaving the airport, I started pumping while driving don't do that it's like so dangerous but I guess I've been hadn't been away from the baby so my boobs are gonna explode yeah and I drove basically from the, like the south of France or south France, south of Spain all the way to Madrid just so that he wouldn't have to leave that same night um mm-hmm. spend some more time together so I'm on the freeway pumping mm-hmm. driving and the <laughs> And it's not like the, the the ones that are like portable, they're like suction on you, like you're gonna like hold the thing. It's it's a yeah. show. And the car stops on the freeway. Oh my god. 
So there I am outside of Madrid, like now in farmland. I make it to a gas station. My boobs are exploding. Like, oh my God. My partner is now like headed to the most dangerous country on earth. (laughs) My boob, like my, you know, my baby's miles away. I'm like, what is happening? I take a taxi five hours. No. Yeah, it was a whole. Oh my God. Those moments (laughs) where it compounds and compounds and compounds and you're like under like five different intense things happening. You're like, what is my life right now? Right. It was literally this. And there I am like, you know, how am I going to speak to a tow truck guy in Spanish about the car? I don't have the vocabulary to talk about this. I cannot talk to you all about babies and you know vaginas and pelvic yeah. floors and like whatever but like I cannot talk about like the brake stopping and I just don't yeah. have it and I'm calling easy like oh my god oh my god this is happening and he's in the air oh my god he's oh in my the god. air and I'm like tell your mom send her an audio tell her because I don't know how to explain this and the phone yeah. and he's like I'm in the air I'm in the air and that would be the worst flight of his life that would have been the right? worst flight. Right? Thank God, oh God Spain's super cool and they sell sangria in the gas station. So <laughs> I thought like, well, if I'm not going <laughs> to, it's like, I'm not going to see my baby for like 10 more hours, then I'm yeah. going like, to get drunk the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did alone in a gas station in the middle of farmland. and just like, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. And we, and then we ended up going to El Salvador, like to follow him after when he's like, this is the safest place I've ever been. We were like, and he loved what? it. And he loved Surf it. is amazing. Yeah. It was just so unreal. And it's like everything that we had read, you know, it's you, we were scared. We were really, really scared. And then you get mm-hmm. to El Tunco and you get to Zante and it's like, this is not that. <laughs> this is not that we are fine and so yeah yeah it wasn't much inspiration to like leave yeah in in terms of like going to Guatemala or other things we're just gonna like yeah be here for a while yeah I mean after all that like but I I was really like I don't want to cross any border anywhere for a while like so I get it just being like we're good here this is great like why tempt fame let's just stay inside like totally it was yeah it was such, yeah, such a thing. Like such oh my God. The whole El Salvador thing is wild. Oh my so, God. That's such a very, story. Yeah. Very unexpected chapter. <laughs> yeah. Did you like living there? Um, yes and no. I'd say no, just because I couldn't really make a life there either. Because I didn't know how long we were going to stay. You know, it was supposed to just be like a place to wait until Chargao opened. So again, it was like life on pause. Um, And when we got there, it was like waves were pumping. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't surfed since my first trimester. So I was scared. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, well, screw this place. You know, like, yeah, I'm here in El Salvador. I didn't expect it. I cannot surf because I will die you know yeah um, it's massive mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah in Chargal you can yeah. surf like always for every level pretty much you can always surf and so I was like oh I love it's it 
yeah, it pushed me further into that like dreaming of going home thing. Yeah. And then on the flip side, we met the most amazing people. You know, we like really just found such community, such friends. Um, and I obviously like really had to dig into my Spanish. And it was a new fun Spanish. Like they say weird words that were so yeah. different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. each Central American country has its own oh, slang. Wow. So like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my. And and it's really fun because what we didn't realize is that words that in Spain that are like super normal are like really vulgar in El Salvador. And we oh. had no idea. So like we're walking around just, you know, I'm just talking and it turns out yeah. I'm super offensive. And I'm like, oh, God, I had like no idea. Um, and it was also, I think, like coming back to the whole conversation we had about like, you know, tapping into that wild, it was a bit of remembering my old self. You know, I remember, I'll never forget the first time I took the car alone, our janky ass, like broken hoopty of a car. <laughs> and we, I drove by myself to San Salvador mm-hmm. and which is something I would have never like batted a lash at in my life before, you know, I'm a very fully yeah. capable woman. I can drive in a foreign country, but I hadn't done yeah. something like this. Well, I guess I had been living in Spain, but it felt like home at that point, you know, Spain felt familiar. Yeah. Here I was in a totally different place, navigating my way around by myself, but this time well, with the baby, you know? Mm, yeah. And, mm. and it was like, yeah, here I am. This yeah. is what she does. Mm-hmm. She just does it. You know, she yeah. just invented and she figures it out and she uses all the words that she can in any language, like yep. to just be understood. And, you know, you yep. just make, she throws it all at it. Yeah. <laughs> throws it out. Throws it out. It's like, yeah. well, um, yeah. you know, and when easy left El Salvador for two months to come back to Chargao to rebuild business, I was in El Salvador then by myself for two months. And mm. It was like, whoa, I had been leaning on him for so long in Spain and in El Salvador to be like our master communicator. And that was also like different for me. And I don't know if you went through that with Hugo also, where like, Mm. in a way, it kind of took away my independence, but it was also partially my fault, right? Like I leaned into him to let him be the one to always do the communicating because he's the Spanish one. Um, But, you know in the past life where I'm traveling alone, I just do it myself and I figured out myself. Yeah. And so there, you know, yeah, and you I, don't say it right. And some people will laugh, but like you yeah. get it out. Cause that was my thing too. I'm like, you can just say it smoother. I can say it, but it's like, 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 like where you just yeah. go smooth. And I, I'm just <laughs> totally. going to like save myself the embarrassment, but that's it. And then I was like deferring more and more to him. And it's like, not his fault. Like until, and he was actually the one who's kind of like, no, you can ask for a check at the restaurant. Yes. You know how yes. to order us food. Like, you know. And I'm like, well, but this way, he's like, doesn't matter. Like, you know, so it was actually like kind of him where he's kind of like, okay, like you got to start doing it now. Yeah. And totally. like, thank God for that totally. because that's it. Like you don't, and especially if I'm like, I've got a joke and I'm like, can you tell them like this, this, and this? And I'm like, well, yes, yes. You didn't, and then I'm like, but you didn't say it right. And yes. he's like, just say it yourself. <laughs> oh my god oh my god yes this is so because I always feel like he's gonna just say it faster you know I'm gonna stumble struggle and then it's not gonna be funny anymore so I'm like can you just say it but then he does I'm like well that totally fell flat 
Like that's yeah, not they're a- all lost and you're like, I could have yeah. told it so much better. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so then you do, and then you go and yeah. you tell it. And he's like, well, why didn't you just do it that in the first place? I'm like, well, because yeah. you're there. But yeah, it, that's it. it, it there's, there was definitely that part of like relearning my independence. Yeah. You know, and, and it came from a dependence that neither of us asked for. You know, exactly. no, neither of us were like, let's, you know, time to depend on me or my time to depend <laughs> on you like that. You know, it just it yeah. happened yeah. that way. And then, yeah, yeah El Salvador was definitely a chance for me to be like, okay, like time to figure some of this out on my own. Yeah, no, I get that a lot. Like I, before I was with Ugo, I was, I was with a guy from El Salvador for like two years, but because I pretty much came and started dating him straight away and I had not no Spanish. So that was a whole other level of just like do everything for me. And I remember when we broke up and I moved in with my friend, like, and she was like, you're going to take this bill and you're going to go to Puerto and you're going to pay the electricity bill. You're going to get on the bus you're going to pay the electricity bill <laughs> and you're going to come back with the receipt. And I was like, it was just because obviously paying bills online isn't a thing. Like you have to go yeah. online up and do yeah, the yeah. office and do all that. Sure. And it's so funny. Like obviously in Australia, I pay whatever, like do all my thing. But I remember I was like 24 and I remember like doing that, going into town, coming home and being like, I paid that fucking bill, man. Yes, like I, I could did. do anything. <laughs> I know you feel like such a champion. I know. It's so true. It's so true. Like easy has gone with me to every single doctor appointment I've like ever had in the last few years. Um, Uh, And, you know, now he's like, okay, you can go alone. Yeah. Like you can go alone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But like, what if, what if? (laughs) And, And he just keeps pushing it. And now finally, like we were in Spain a few months ago and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the doctor by myself, but you want to be understood, you know, and you want to do yeah. it right. You don't want to waste time. And then you don't want to take that yeah. chicken bus and get all the way to Puerto and then not be able to pay the bill and then have to go do it again. And then just, you know, yeah. feel the defeat. you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And feel that rising yeah. of like panic where you're like, Ooh. yeah, and then you're yeah. sweating like in the air con, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> what's going on. But then, yeah, you leave the bank or whatever it is and you leave the doctor and you're just like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did this. I, I, did, it. This. I did it. <laughs> now watch me order a croissant. You know, it's like, just... and then you get the wrong thing, and you're like, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. We can survive. It's it's so it's so true. Like it's yeah. it's amazing, and I think a huge part of that too is like learning. And this is my favorite favorite part of traveling. It's like learning that you can make a home in a new place over and over and over again, you know, and you can do all of those like boring tasks Mm -hmm. that you can do anywhere, you know, that like Mm -hmm. you're capable of it. Like you can go to the store and you can get the thing and you can get the bill and you can pay the electricity and you can call the plumber, like whatever it is you are doing it. Mm-hmm. is so empowering also and you're doing it in a language that's not yours yeah you know exactly like, fuck yeah mama you know yeah exactly 
<laughs> it took me 10 amazing. times as long. I had like a ridiculous amount of anxiety, but I fucking did it. Like, you know, but I did it half a day. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's and so I think that's just so good. Like, you know, I think there will be so many people listening to this who are in that, in that predicament. They're like, you know, it's just easier at home, but it's like, these things are so worth it. It's like little mini pilgrimages every day to get through these things. And even if it feels stupid, like totally. I feel anxious standing in line in the supermarket and having to have a little conversation with a cashier in another language, like do it you know, like do it. Yeah. Do it. I mean, even, even in your own language, you know, I feel like we have become, especially after the pandemic, so glued to our screen that we don't Mm. know how to do like small talk anymore. And we don't know how Mm -hmm. to put ourselves out in those, in those situations. And that's where life happens. It's all those little things. And absolutely when you're traveling, right. It's those tiny little exchanges that you get that make all of the difference. Yeah. And I think, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I think like some of my best things have been like something, my car's broken down. The electricity has gone off. There's a giant ass tarantula in my bathroom and I'm not getting it out. Someone needs to come help me. Like all these things where I'm like, I need people. I can't just like Google it. You know, I can't do anything. My phone can't help me. And that's it. Those moments where it's like, I need people right now and I need to be able to like engage with these people. And that's it. It's even, you know, it's even that's it in your home country. If the power goes out, you know, very quickly, your phone dies. You're going to need people at some point. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. And then you start creating relationships from there, you know, like Mm -hmm. we were like, Easy always laughs because he's like, how is it that you say you don't speak Spanish, but then you walk into the grocery store and it takes you 15 minutes longer because you ended up chatting with some lady next to the apples, you know? And it's like, because I'm not afraid to talk to a stranger, you know, like when you don't need something, right? But then you just do it. And Mm -hmm. it's before you know it, then that part of your day is like something to feel proud of. Mm. you know and like now you know one more person maybe I'm never going to see the apple lady again but it's like it makes a connection I mean this happened like I would go to the the butcher to get my son his meat or whatever and she was like so stressed out the first time I walked in because I I did not know how to explain what I wanted you know tiny little cubes for baby led weaning and she's like what the fuck is this girl talking about and I was just like, what? But then, you know, I, I kept coming and I kept coming and then it became yeah. part of my life. Oh, mm. I see Maria when I go to the supermarket to get the meat, yeah. you know, like just this tiny little thing, but it's a detail now in my yeah. life that would have mm-hmm. never happened had I been like constantly relying on somebody else to do it for me. Yeah. Or just head in your phone and that's it. Like Exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's, that's why, yeah, people are just everything. And then you feel so strong and good and capable after that, that it's like, all right, now what? We're yeah. it on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Bring the next thing. I've got this. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. It, and it will always be something, you know, it's always going to yeah. be something, but those are just the stories, I guess, that make up. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a thing at the end of the day and those stories that you have to tell people later on and the, to be like, oh, I actually like was a part of society today. And I like connected with people today. And I was like in life today. Cause I know when I spend the day, like on my phone, like I'm not, or on the computer, I don't feel like I've been in life today. I've been like in that kind of, totally. maybe I got a lot done. Maybe I was efficient, but I wasn't like in my life that day. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, Oh my God. Yes. I so agree with that. 
I so agree with that. That's why take those four hours, you know, that the baby's in school and Mm -hmm. like Easy and I were talking about this, like we're using those four hours to like work, but I also need to use part of that four hours to like live my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and be in my life, like in whatever way that is. Yeah. Um, But Mm -hmm. with people or not with people, but just like, yeah, reconnecting in some capacity. Oh yeah, I mean, it's so funny. It's so typical, isn't it? For us to be like, okay, I'm going to be efficient. And I'm like, no, like I need to, there's a lot more than just being efficient in those four hours. And that's it. Yeah, like, I can be alone gonna... for half an yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a luxury. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I know. It's, it, then you're like, oh, I do understand the eight hours thing, but it's not so that I can work. It's so I can now have fun. Exactly. But, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's just, the whole game changes but I do mm-hmm. think that like and I don't know if this is also your experience living there in El Salvador or in, in in Guatemala but like here I guess because life was always happening outside you're kind of constantly reminded that life is happening oh yeah you know so it's like yeah okay, I'm here I'm here working but I can see the surf from here so I'm like uh, okay yeah. you know, or like you see people yeah. coming going doing things and and it does kind of keep your eye on the prize in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah. when I was back in California, it was much harder to do that. You yeah. Know, like mm-hmm. can stay in your zone and yeah. weeks pass. Yeah. I noticed that in Australia when I was going to the parks, I'm like, where are the people? If you go down to a town square here, like I have a town square just down the road. And if I feel lonely, I just have to go sit down and someone's going to come up and start talking to me. Or, you know, even if I just go buy like something to eat, like I'm going to have no shortage of people to talk to if I just go and like sit in the middle, you know? Whereas I feel like if I go down to a park in Australia and sit down, people will be like, just make a wide. Yeah. <laughs> what is she doing here midday? But it's, exactly. you know, it's, it's, it's mm. totally that. No, I, and I love that. I love that, that life is so present as long as you yeah. like keep yourself open to it. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I could keep talking forever, Gina. Thank you, know, you so oh my God, much. I, you know, what a fun morning. Well, I'm sorry. It's so late for you, but I just had oh, a great it's perfect. It's fine. Day. 